Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by the Association of Compliance Officers in Ireland. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. Hello and welcome to the Compliance Files podcast of the Association of Compliance Officers in Ireland. I am Cathy Jacobs, President of the ACOI, and it is a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. Firstly, thanks, Kevin, for um, guest hosting our, our ACOI Compliance Files podcast. Thank you again very much for, for having me. It's a, an, an honour, actually, for me to, to partake and, and have this conversation with you. Um, yeah, so I, I'm manager, actually, in, uh, in Broadgate Search, so governance recruitment specialists. And obviously, Cathy, you and I, we've worked together for a few years now. So yeah. I'm delighted to, to take part and, and ask you a couple of questions about, you know, your compliance career, a bit about yourself, a bit about your background, and obviously the importance of the ACY for, for your own career and success within it. So, so for, for everybody joining, can you, can you give people a bit of an insight into a bit about you, your, your own background, start from the beginning, really? Just to talk about myself, I am currently president of, of ACOI. I'm director of regulatory affairs in AA Ireland. I, I've been a director in ACOI for nine years now. So I've been very involved in ACOI. And in fact, I was there the night that ACOI was born in uh, November 2002. So I've been an active member since then. So currently I, I lead council. And as regards my own career, I've really had two careers. I had an accountancy career. I came out of college and qualified in London and spent 10 years as an accountant. After qualification, I joined the Serious Fraud Office and spent some time there doing very interesting forensic work. And then I, I held other forensic posts before returning to Ireland. And at the time, I had to reinvent myself because there weren't too many forensic opportunities in Ireland. I had an interest in the law as well as being an accountant. I, I had always an interest in the law. Compliance was developing as a career and I grabbed the opportunity when it presented up to me in about 2001 to undertake a compliance role and really to set up the compliance effort in what was IIB Bank and IKBC. So I've, I've spent the last 20 years in compliance moving through retail, retail banking. And the last couple of years, I've held compliance roles in a fintech and now an, an insurance broker. So while my career has been predominantly in banking, I've now branched out into other areas, other areas of financial services. So, so you were, you started off obviously your career in London, right? So what, what, yeah. what sparked the interest in, in compliance or if it was even referred to as compliance at the time, what sort of piqued your interest then? Well, it, it goes back a long way actually and probably predates the invention of compliance. When I was doing my accountancy studies back in, I believe, May 1991, I was attending an accountancy college just off Bishopsgate in London. And those of you who are familiar with London will know that that's right in the heart of the of the city and I remember getting out of Bank Station and walking down to the college down Bishopsgate and seeing the premises of the Bank and of Credit and Commerce International and it caught my eye because it wasn't a retail bank it was a merchant bank it had very ornate offices and I remember you know it, it caught my eye as I was walking down to, to college that was I believe April and May 1991 actually once I'd done my exams in the May and was waiting for results, I believe it was the early Ju- July 1991, the Bank of C- Credit and Commerce International collapsed. It was, I believe, something like the biggest banking collapse at the time. There was thousands of thousands of depositors who lost their money. It was global. 
It was a major event. It was a major corporate collapse at the time. There were a number of corporate collapses. It actually had a particular significance for me later on in my career because I was involved in one of the many actions that came out of that particular banking collapse. And I subsequently worked at the Serious Fraud Office and I was aware there was at least nine prosecutions by the Serious Fraud Office into directors of that of that company. And I also remember about two years, 18 months, two years after that, reading a Financial Times kind of expose on BCCI. And it described BCCI as, a, as an entity, as a worldwide global entity, as basically a house of cards. So mm-hmm. it was an entire front operation for things like drug trafficking, arms trafficking, and, and you know, all sorts of embargo busting and that kind of thing. So I was aware that, you know, financial crime was a thing. So as I was kind of emerging from qualifying as an accountant, and then whenever in 1995, as an accountant, I was trained on the new money laundering regs, it made complete sense to me as to why this was allowed just based on on, on, on my previous experience. So that's really where my interest in compliance was was peaked. And was it made sense then eventually I ended up with a career in in anti-money laundering and other aspects of, of compliance. It's a, it's a really interesting point, actually. I think a lot of people, I suppose, around 2008, you know, seven, eight, nine in Ireland, I think compliance obviously became more um more of a common career path but you know there are even now right there's still people looking to get into that that function as a as a career path so what was your route into it from sort of the the accounting side so what like what was your was it a strategic decision then that you made or what was your sort of your your approach to get into that well it, it was at one point I worked in the London Stock Exchange for a period and I could see at that time I, I, I had a an insight into the fact that compliance was a burgeoning career in in the UK, and it was something that I I was interested in because, as I say, I I I had an interest in the law as well as being an accountant. And it's debatable whether possibly I should have done law, but accountancy was the route I took. And so I had an insight that this was a, a career that was that was burgeoning. So when I arrived in Ireland, it was something that it was it was a strategic move in order to activate and act on that interest in the law because actually I feel. With the accountancy background, you you learn about the importance of controls and procedures and documentation and governance. So you get you get all that good training as an accountant, and then but it is a quasi legal discipline. But you you know you can harness the, the the skills that you have as an accountant; they're quite transferable. So you can you can you know you can learn about about the law. You can overlay the the legal um, aspects. So it it was strategic. I've never looked back since. There, there are a couple of things there. I'll probably come back to them in terms of, you know, you mentioned obviously the accounting side. There's, there's, it, it seems like there are now probably more routes into compliance, whether it's from the first line of defense or a sort yes. of third line even into compliance, legal or um, quality assurance. So th- I'm going to come back to you in terms of some advice that you give people in those scenarios where they want to move into compliance. But I suppose mm-hmm. specifically on, on your own career then. So how has your career then developed? You know, you mentioned you've been a part of the HUI since 2002, but, you know, other than that, I suppose, how has it developed and, and you know, what's the sort of evolution been? Well, I began in, in 2001 in the compliance, well, setting up the compliance function in IIB. I spent five years there, I believe, and I, I wanted some more retail experience. So then I moved on to EBS Building Society, which was great for expanding my retail experience. EBS had a great culture. It was very member focused. So it was, it was really good in inculcating those principles around putting the member first, putting the customer first, 
And then when the crash came, you know, one of the good things about if you are a compliance expert, you, it is valuable. Um, I was able to to contract. So I spent a number of years contracting and, and mostly in retail banking. So I was involved in remediations and I was involved in discrete projects. So then the last couple of years I've I've had I've held uh, permanent positions, one in a fintech, which was which was great fun and a great insight into the that whole that whole field, which is fascinating. And now I've, I've moved into insurance broking. So that's how my, my, my own career ha- has progressed. In terms of like the evolution of the compliance officer's role, then, you yes. know, how, how has that sort of evolved in, in, in your experience? Over the years, obviously, I began in, in 2001. And this is something actually I touched on in, the, uh, in, in our conference last year, actually. In my address to members, I discussed what I called the five ages of compliance. And I was there at every, every one of those stages, so I can speak quite closely to those. And I characterized the, the first stage as the pioneer stage. So back in the early 2000s, you know, roughly the turn of the millennium, compliance officers were pioneers you were you know you were putting your hand up at the time to do something that nobody had done before nobody understood and you know we were facing what I called then you know unique and unknowable challenges it was very much there was no street cred sometimes the person wasn't in the room when they were allocated the role it was unfashionable we were tagged business prevention officers there wasn't a whole lot to it at that time there was a little bit of KYC, as I mentioned, money laundering coming in in 95. There was a little bit of data protection regulation of computerized records. So that was that was the pioneer stage where we were very much we were feeling our way. There was no infrastructure. There was no there were no norms. So it, it was, you know, pioneering. The next stage I would characterize as the specialist stage where compliance was gaining in, in profile probably still just being tolerated. The rule books were growing. We had what was then the new Data Protection Act in 2003, which was seeking to horror of horror regulate manual records. And uh, we thought that was a massive up- uplift at the time. And there was the introduction of consumer protection codes. Sorry, well, really the forerunner of the consumer protection code, we had codes of conduct. And, you know, this in theory should have strengthened our hand at the time, but that coincided with the Celtic Tiger. So it was still a very challenging time for for compliance officers. And there was there was no first line, what we would call first now first line ownership. There was no such thing as first line at the time. And there was still too too much reliance on compliance to, to, to look after compliance at the time. Moving on to stage three, what I would call the expert stage around the time of the, the, the mid um, noughties. This is the age of the expert compliance professional. So this arrived as case law was developing with the Data Protection Commissioner having case studies, publishing case studies in, in, in his annual report, as it was then. The Financial Services Ombudsman was reporting as well. So we were, were, were getting case law in the form of, of ombudsman cases. And again, there was, there was growing regulation. We had CPC in, in 2006 was born. The end of this period coincided with the global financial crisis, which that in itself resulted in a paradigm shift in the management of risks and firms' approach to compliance. So the three lines of defence were officially born. And there was a need then for compliance professionals to shift to to a risk mindset. And the business had to take responsibility for risk decisions. And this compliance officer had to stand back and have to firmly plant themselves in, in this new second line. And this has been one of the most difficult adjustments for especially 
first line and second line to to move to. It was also probably around the time when conduct risk as a discipline was born, which is, you know, a complementary field which addresses embedded failings which lead to customer detriment. And it was it was those conduct failures which made the next few years increasingly difficult. Then moving on to the, the fourth stage, what I would call the partner stage, where I believe we probably are now. Our knowledge of the businesses in which we operate has deepened and our expertise has developed beyond just the rule books. And we're not talking rule books anymore. We're, we're business partners. We advise our stakeholders and the, the risk decision makers help them make those decisions. I would hope that we're a trusted partner and what I would call the conscience of the organization so that the the management would actually seek out our views. Now, I know today that's that's not universal. And where I hope we're going to, and we explored this a lot in our conference, is the, the compliance leader. And to me, this is the most challenging of all. But leadership is now an essential, fundamental role, you know, that confers the power to, to influence and implement. So it's not a, enough to interpret rulebook with culture and reputation under the spotlight. You know, it's not just mastery of the rules that, that, that that's enough. And I, I went through all the things that we need to be. We need to be part lawyer, part project manager, part regulator, part teacher, part psychologist, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's many roles that a good compliance leader has, has to play now. And that's how I've seen the compliance role evolve. And that evolution is going to continue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can already see that in in the, the Irish market, for example, you know, you see a lot of appointments now where regulatory professionals have progressed from, you know, compliance to chief risk officer, C-suite uh, and directorship level roles, even to chief exec roles. So, you know, yeah. it is exciting to see that. And, and you know, we're probably entering that, that later stage of, of leadership. The, the, the things you touched on, right? So there's, you seem like quite a generalist in terms of compliance experience. Yeah. So you've touched on pretty much all aspects of it. What are your favorite parts of compliance? What, what keeps you interested? And yeah, what, what parts do you find most interesting? Well, as you say, I am a generalist and I do enjoy all aspects. I do enjoy, you know, the financial crime aspect because you can really see the big picture there in terms of the societal impacts of crime. And, you know, most of us have been a victim of, of crime of some sort at one point or another. So that's really motivating Data protection, I like to do, I, I really do think that um, we don't sell the benefits of data protection enough because it really is an, an enabler of e-commerce. And if, mm. we, if we imagined a world without the data protection, protections, if you like, we, we, you know, we probably wouldn't online shop, for example, because we just couldn't trust, you know, who's on the other side. So I, I, I really do see that the, the big benefits, the commercial benefits of, of robust data protection and safeguards. Consumer protection is, is really interesting and fundamental because, you know, sometimes we do have to be prompted to do the right thing. There are so many competing commercial objectives. Sometimes we just need a prod to do the right thing. So I do... I do enjoy my role as, as a generalist and I do enjoy pivoting to each of those, those disciplines. The, the most rewarding thing for me is actually getting it right for, for customers and getting it right is to put yourself in the shoes of the ultimate customer and what's right for them because ultimately what's right for them is what's right for the business. And, and we are the customer advocate always, whether it's as a data subject, as you know, being a good corporate citizen in relation to financial crime or a consumer of financial services. So that for me, that's what keeps me motivated. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it ties right back to what initially sort of piqued your interest, doesn't it? You know, you, you, mm. you talked about, you know, the, the thousands of depositors that law 
lost yeah. probably their their life savings in some yes. cases you know that had I'm, I'm sure there are p- still people suffering from that today you know yes and you look at the crash so it's interesting you've touched on that because it seems to be you know what what's kept you through it you know for as long as you have been you know successful in your career so so there's obviously you know with that in mind right there there are highs and lows particular pressure points let's talk about first of all like the pressure points so what what are the things that stress you out in in a career in compliance and and then I suppose secondly like how do you manage that then well there there are many stresses when you engage in a compliance career you have to manage to multiple stakeholders now while that is a is a stress many of those have competing objectives many of those have competing objectives but you do need to be very clear-eyed about what your priorities are and I would always put the external priorities first so if you've got an external regulator deadline that's probably a hard deadline it's possibly non-negotiable depending on the quality of your regulatory relationship so that needs to be that needs to be prioritized and then you need to develop negotiating skills internally to move around any internal deadline so that can that can lead to stress that can be a pressure point and as as a compliance person because of those multiple stakeholders that you have to manage to you can have intraday deadlines monthly deadlines annual deadlines so the workload and managing to that workload is you know is 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 challenging the flip side and the upside of that is what i've always found and and good compliance officers will know this is that you are involved in everything across the organization so everything that's going on, whether it's new products, whether it's changes to processes, hiring and firing, you are involved in it. So you get to see across the organization. And that's why compliance is a great career for anybody who wants you know, a career in financial services, because you get that, that visibility across the entire organization and you, you are involved. But it just it does add there is a flip side and it does it does lead to stress in terms of managing the stress. Uh, I think everybody this is this is a truism. You need to understand what's good stress and what's bad stress. So you need to understand that the stress that is keeping you going and keeping you pushing through those deadlines and and getting getting those actions done. And actually, what is what is bad stress? What's leading to sleepless nights? And and, and you need to recognize that. And then you need to assess what, what would relieve that? Is it extra resources? And that's not always more boots on the ground. Sometimes it's it's mm. it's upskilling and 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 then you need to, you know, using your your influencing skills um, and negotiating skills to to try and negotiate some of those those deadlines and uh, you know so that others recognize um and hopefully empathize with 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 your challenges. So that's that's how I would manage that stress. Identify interventions that could relieve that stress if it's in terms of workload or for example, a, a lack of, of, of knowledge or skills. One of, one of the things that I've found, especially from as sort of regulation has increased, the, yeah. the engagement with various different regulators has, has, you know, gone up massively. You know, what I've actually found in the conversations I've had with people is that leveraging actually, you know, the, the ACY network, you know, asking for help, not necessarily just from your, your internal colleagues, but also having that external network of minded Yes. Equally passionate professionals in the space who are probably going through the same thing. I would absolutely endorse that, Kevin. And, you know, I do remember the days before ACY, before we had a network, before this was possible. And I know it's a cliche, the lonely compliance officer, but it is a lonely place when you've got nobody, nobody to exchange views. Obviously, 
pre-lockdown, ACY was very active in that in that space and bringing compliance officers together and creating opportunities for for you to bring your you know your questions to other compliance officers. And really, at this stage, there's nothing that nobody nobody has faced before. Everybody has faced whatever you're facing. So it's hopefully when we get out of lockdown, that's something that we we aim to to, to get up and running again. Um, and to get compliance officers together, and I, I miss meeting meeting the, m- the members. I I miss as president um, the opportunity to, to meet our members, but definitely networking and meeting a peer in a in another similar organisation who has undoubtedly encountered similar is is invaluable. And actually, I do it all the time myself. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of the beauties of Ireland in that it's very relationship based so even if you know you probably know someone who knows someone and yeah. you know I suppose just as, to, to put this plug in for myself like it's, it's something that I do quite a lot you know introducing people to one another to you know or or even if you you know you if you're new to the to the uh, to the membership of the ACY obviously you can leverage that network or if you've got any questions you know I'd be yeah. more than happy to to facilitate sort of introductions as well I think that goes for for yourself as well as yeah. the, you know your colleagues in the ACY yeah I know and 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 Kevin certainly you've helped me out before so yeah I can attest to that and also something that Kingsley Aiken actually said at our conference be prepared to give if you're an expert you be prepared to give and and, and help others because you will get that back no question so be generous with your own experience and knowledge so you know if you were to you know sell like sell the benefits of a compliance career you know you've you've touched on quite a lot of the the challenges and uh, but I think often overlooked is is probably the the benefits of it in that from my perspective it has a really really exciting career trajectory now more than ever before you've touched on the you know the evolution of the compliance officer's role and we're sort of going into the new phase you know if you were to talk to someone who's you know entering their compliance career wants to get the qualifications wants to make that move into compliance how, how would you sort of sell the benefits of a career to that person well for me anyway my own experience is that a career in compliance is an interesting varied demanding and very connected role. It's unique because, as I said earlier, you are um, across all parts of the business. You reach across all parts of the business. You're involved in almost everything from product development, sales process and channel changes, operations, customer service, you name it, compliance is involved. But also it's involved at all levels. So you could one day be dealing with salespeople on the ground one minute, a board member the next. So you're, you're up and down all levels of the organization because they all have issues and problems that they need solving or information that they need or advice or input. And you'd be dealing with many diverse issues. So you'd be problem solving troubleshooting, but building as well. So you know, there's a huge positive input that mm. compliance has. And as you say, we've spoken about the challenges of managing to, to many stakeholders, you know, your the customers, colleagues, senior management and board and regulators. So you're managing to all those stakeholders and all their agendas. Your expertise is, is very sought after. So a career in compliance gives you a very broad introduction or insight into the workings of financial services and get to see it from different perspectives because of the reach that compliance has. But I would say that it is a really rewarding career in and of itself. Absolutely. I mean, you can see, to, to echo your point, really, you can see from the the various appointments of non-exec directors, you know, people who've moved from compliance up to risk and, 
chief risk officer roles and they sit, they're sitting on the board, um, C-suite level. So there really is no cap anymore. No. And I think that's exciting for a lot of people. It's not just, you know, yes. one dimensional. You've got so many different areas where you could add strategic value to a business, leveraging that broad understanding that you've gotten from, from doing your job in compliance and yeah, go down so many different routes, which I find, uh, what, I suppose what the, the, the market really find quite attractive about a career in compliance lately and the salaries are going through the roof. <laughs> you know, the, the, the helps, financial, yeah. the financial freedom that actually can come with you know hard work and, and determination in this career I find you know quite quite staggering really lately so it's another, yes. another point really so we we actually we we kind of said we were going to come back to around I suppose the advice that you'd give people making that lateral move so we've touched on a couple of different areas so obviously there's the accounting side auditing legal even risk or um, yes. or the first line, like what well, what kind of advice would you give someone who's really keen on getting into compliance, kickstarting their career? You know, what what's the first sort of step to to kickstarting that career in compliance? Well, really, the first step is to do the PDC, get your qualification. As a hiring manager myself, I would just advise anyone. It's it's a no brainer. If you've got two people in front of you who's who's one's got PDC, one doesn't, or, or is LCY qualified, or one isn't, you know, you're going to take the person who has gone to the trouble of, of, of getting the qualification. The the regulator even focuses on that, don't they? Like you know, for for any control function roles, you need to be yes. able to demonstrate a commitment to that career path and. You have to yeah. have the qualifications to back that up, really, don't you? So, yes, yeah, it's not just the hiring managers, but the regulator wants that as well, right? Yes. And there is a substantial body of knowledge to be accumulated and assimilated before you can be effective as a compliance officer. It's not back in the pioneer days where there was the rubric was quite thin. You know, practice wasn't wasn't really established. There were no norms. Now there are. It is a discipline. It is a profession, and there is a, a minimum knowledge that you need to have before you're you're going to be any use to anybody. So that is why doing your ACY qualifications is a critical first step. And you know, talk to compliance officers. Talk to them about their career. Talk to them about the opportunities that it's provided for them. Listen to this podcast, hopefully, and you know, hopefully, I've I've conveyed to members and and to the wider world uh, that. The benefits of this career and how to go about it so you know those are the things I'd, I'd advise anybody thinking of of compliance of doing yeah and it's it's an interesting one because I think there are a lot of people who want to make that first step into compliance and I, I would probably say in terms of you know networking network and and you mentioned Kingsley yes. Aikens actually great yeah. so CEO of the networking institute the power of networking within your own business you know communicate with your own yes. head of compliance let them know that you're interested and why you know really have those conversations and have conversations with different you know the people like yourself or, or, or other members within the the ACOI network to yes. just let people know you're interested and that you're passionate yeah. about it and then you you can help let them tell you the steps you need to take and I think what you also need to communicate is that you understand the broader context of compliance mm. that it's not just a job or a safe job or you know a safe harbor when things get tricky that you understand the the broader agenda that that you're serving so I think it would be important to convey that these days we actually have people I remember the days before compliance really was a career back in the pioneer days people didn't choose compliance as a career 
it, it wasn't a career, but people certainly didn't choose it. It's really gratifying now to see graduates wanting a, a, a compliance career. And it's good because it creates a bit of competition and competition drives up standards. Absolutely. It's interesting to think about what the future of compliance function is going to look like. So I suppose there's an element of preempting what that looks like and upskilling yourself to to step into that. Like data protection is obviously getting very busy at the moment. You know, would you say it's like, is it better to go down the, the generalist route, do you think, these days or, or specialise? Uh, is, is, would you, as a, as a hiring manager, have any particular preferences in that regard? Well, like every discipline, when compliance first started, People were generalists because mm. you had to do a bit of anti-money laundering, a bit of consumer protection, and you could because they were the rule books weren't weren't as big as they are now. So everybody was a generalist. As profession has matured and as time has gone on, we now have specialists. So we have ML specialists and data protection specialists and consumer protection specialists. I personally I enjoy being a specialist because I I enjoy all those disciplines. However, it, it's probably not for everybody. It's about do what you're passionate about and do what really interests you. If if you can cope with being a generalist and being able to pivot, that's great. If you've a real passion and interest in in financial crime, I would I would go for that. Similarly, data protection. If, if you have a particular passion about that, I would I would go down that route. But having said that, you know, it's it's really good to understand how they all relate to each other because they do. So that's why doing the LCOI or do, doing the compliance qualifications gives you a really good grounding in all of the disciplines, and then and then you can pick after that. And in some ways, that's, again, the beauty of a, of a compliance career. You can specialize. You can, you can find out what your passion is and, and, and decide if you, if you do want to specialize. And then you'd have to work somewhere big enough where you could, you could um, develop that, that specialism. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it seems like um, that's certainly the, certainly the trend now. I mean, it's touching, regulation is touching so many different, um, different businesses and sectors now. So the opportunities really are, are so broad. But I suppose the main thing you've touched on really is find what you're passionate about, what interests yes. you and, and, and what will keep you motivated because there are the obvious challenges that you've touched on as well. So you need that thing to motivate you really, don't you, to, yes. to keep you keep you trucking yeah. and if that's something you're passionate about you will so you will um, excel in it yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah. so look yeah. I, 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 have you got any sort of final final words of wisdom for anybody in terms of getting you know getting their their compliance career kick started have you got any other sort of final words of wisdom for for, for those individuals come to the SUI um get involved in SUI uh, we have working groups that you can join and and, and we'll speak to your particular interest keep uh, in touch with our our website for developments you can come to any of our events non-members and members alike if you have a particular interest so basically engage with us and and um you'll get the information that you need yeah absolutely and i i think um one 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 last thing for myself really is you know if you're working somewhere and you're not in compliance and you want to get into compliance ask your ask your boss if you can get yeah. the get the money to to sit yes. the you know sit the exams right because it's in everybody's interests to have a regulatory focused mindset on any team right so you know demonstrate that you have that I suppose that the foresight and the you know the pro- proactive nature to, to actually exactly. ask, ask for it right um you don't have to bear the burden and the cost yourself in a lot of cases and if that fails you know go to your go to your own head of compliance and you know ask for help and advice and most of the time, if you can demonstrate that type of proactive nature, you probably end up getting an internal move when it comes available. Exactly. So, yeah, be patient, I think, in a lot of cases, but ask for help. 
be yeah. you know get out of your comfort zone and that's actually probably one of the things that is like for for a lot of the members you know once we can actually start networking again and going to those great events that the ASOI have hosted in the past and and, and will host again in the future fingers crossed um yeah. is is be be bold and go go and ask people for help or you know connect with people on LinkedIn that are in the network and yeah. ask for help and advice there may just be an opportunity that arises for you definitely definitely what I've seen in the past there's no cookie cutter background for a compliance officer. Mm. I come through as an accountant with an interest in the law. I always think that any compliance function of any size should have diverse backgrounds in it. So people who've come from the first line, but who, who have an interest in moving to the second line, that's that's a really, that's the really valuable skills to have in a compliance function, to have the insight into what, what goes on in the first line and, and, and operations, legal backgrounds, so all sorts of backgrounds, all backgrounds are suitable and welcome, actually, in, in a compliance function of any size. Absolutely. So the last few things then, really, just to wrap up, I suppose, is Google uh, the ACY website, find out how you can become a member, get an understanding of if, you're, if your own company will support you in that, and then just network, 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 yes, network, really, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Um, thank, thank you for having me again, Cathy. It's been great, as always, to, to speak with you. Appreciate you uh, having me on. And um, Great. And thank you, Kevin, for guest hosting this Compliance Files podcast. No thank problem. You. Thank you. The Professional Diploma in Compliance is designed for those who work or aspire to work in a professional capacity within a compliance function. It is a Level 7 qualification on the NFQ and accredited by UCD. On successful completion of the program, you can apply for the ACOI designation. The LCOI designation is the industry benchmark designation for practicing compliance professionals and satisfies the Central Bank of Ireland's minimum competency code. To find out more, contact ACOI at info at acoi.ie or log on to our website, acoi.ie. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.